Hey everybody, thank you for taking time to listen to this message. I pray that it's a blessing to you. And I want to remind you today, no matter what's going on in your life or around the world, the Lord Jesus loves you. God has got everything under control. And cheer up, friend. Jesus is soon coming. May the Lord Jesus bless you and keep you. God bless you. Take your Bibles, if you will, please turn to the book of Romans, chapter number 13. The book of Romans, chapter number 13. We began looking last week at the beginning verses of uh, Romans 13. We looked down through verse number 1, down through verse number 7. I want to pick up reading in verse number 8, though we will not uh, specifically deal with um, with the first few verses we uh, read, but latter deal with um, the latter verses. So Romans chapter 13, verse number 8, the Bible says, O no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another, another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And that knowing the time that it is now, it is, it is high time to wake out of sleep, and now our salvation is nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not rioting and drunkenness and in chambering and wantonness and not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for being a good God and a loving Savior to us. Lord, I pray that you'd help us in this time. God, I pray that you'd bless the reading of the Word of God. And God, I pray that you'd prepare our hearts. And Lord, I pray that if there's one here that does not know Christ, that the day would be the day the sweet Holy Ghost of God has shown their lost condition. And for us that are saved, I pray that you'd draw us closer to you. And it's in Christ Jesus' name I pray, amen. And last week we looked in verse number one down through verse number seven, dealing with Christian citizenship. And so as he is, as the word, uh, Paul is under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, uh, beginning to end this particular theme, this particular thought, uh, in chapter number 13, he then deals from um, Christian citizenship to that of of heavenly citizenship. And as I was as looking at this and studying this, I, I began to kind of think of, my mind went back to um, when I was in school and hi, uh, some parts of, of history, and um, I was never that much big on history. About my favorite um, uh, things in school was um, recess and lunchtime. 
Um, but um, I, I remember, I began to, read, began to remember about, uh, uh, I had to look up the date in April the 18th, 1775. Um, the British had brought their troops into, into Boston and they were, their plan was at that night to, uh, to sneak uh, over the uh, Charles River and then they would attack uh, there in Lexington and there uh, in Concord. But as they were beginning to do this and they were beginning to uh, take out this plan, they did not factor in that they would be somebody that was awake. And at that time, there was, a, there was one particular man awake and he began to um, get on his horse and go from village to village and town to town uh, and letting everybody know the British was coming. That was the man by the name of, of Paul Revere's. He began to ride from place to place and, and sound the alarm and that an invasion was taking place. And there again, as, as they were beginning to um, take this, do this, and he began to run uh, from place to place and ride from place to place, uh, uh, men began to jump out of their beds and get their clothes on and uh, get their, their uh, weapons together and begin to prepare for battle. And that's where, uh, where we get the, uh, the phrase Minutemen from. They begin to be ready to, for battle at any moment. And then... And so as you, as you think about that history and then think about um, what we have before us in verse number 11, he makes it, makes his statement knowing that the time and knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of, out of sleep. And reality of it is this morning is that many uh, all across America, we could, we could say that the church is as a whole is asleep. We find that not only is the church as a whole asleep, but but we find that there's also uh, people in the pew and people in the um, preachers in the pulpit that have that is seemingly in this day and in this hour have drifted off into sleep and and now in the day that we're living in and um, probably more than it ever has been, uh, man, we need some people that will that will wake up and and realize the time and realize the hour. Uh, that is here and take and take a stand and and realize that there has to be some things uh, that we wake up to. And so I want you to notice, first of all, I want you to notice verse number 11, the day in which we're living. Now he makes this statement. He says, knowing the time, this refers to the season that we're in. And then he makes this statement, not only knowing the time, but then he says high time. And this refers to a specific point in time. And so in verse number 11, Paul is dealing with the return of Jesus. And he, he, re, he reveals of how close that Jesus is to coming. And there again, it, it, no, I don't have to convince you this morning that, that the next thing on the calendar of God is that of the, the rapture of the church. Man, you look at everything that's going on. You look at the Middle East and... And all of the things that are going on and, and there, and even last night I was uh, I, I was watching some videos, and there was a man talking about um, I, I forget exactly what it, what um, order it was that that has been signed recently about uh, um, dealing with um, uh, doing away with with uh, the currency that we know of and and having a governmental currency and 
and um, that there's other countries that are already experiencing with that. And all that is adding up to a one world government, a, a one world money, and a one world religion. And in all of that that has taken place is nothing more than God just uh, moving the chess pieces one at a time and dealing with it how, how He would have it fit to, to be done. And so really and truly today as we, as we look at how close it could be that Jesus could come, uh, we realize that this morning probably there again more than ever that we need to realize this season that we're in. We see the time that we're in, but also we see the tragedy. And the tragedy is, is that there's, there's this sleeping that has taken place. There again, many do not realize how close we are to the Lord's return because, because of the spiritual state. We, we as a group of people are spiritually asleep more than we ever have been. Webster's defined sleep as this. Is this, a, 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 uh, this is a state of inactivity with a loss of consciousness and a decrease in responsiveness to events taking place. Now, if that don't describe the average church and the average person, I, I don't know what would describe it. Most, most people that are in the church, they're in a very inactive state. Sure, they may come. And they may come to church on Sunday morning. They, they may come on Sunday night. They may even come on Wednesday night. But what do they do outside of church? And, and reality of the church is we have come to the place to where, to where we have taught a lot of our young people that, that, you just, that if you just want to, that church is just a thing that you attend and that you come on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and then that's it. But listen, if, if, if the only time that we act like a Christian is Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, we're failing and failing miserably. And so what, what Paul is saying here is, is that the tragedy is, is that even in his day, many were asleep. But then not only do we see the, the time, and not only do we see the tragedy, but then we see the threat. And, we, and notice what he says in, in the last part of verse number 11. Uh, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. And the threat is this, is that Jesus is coming sooner than probably we anticipate. I want you to think about, now there again, this phrase that he says, when we, when we first believed. Think about the day that you got saved. Probably chances are, if you're like me, the day you got saved, you, you really did not uh, think that the coming of the Lord Jesus was that close. Uh, I, I can remember when I got saved, I thought when we got to 2023, uh, surely we'd be living like the Jetson. We'd, we'd be having flying cars and all this stuff, uh, uh, but we're not there yet. And so, so a lot of times we, uh, especially as, as a young person, I thought that the, the coming of the Lord would be something that was, that was far, far, far in the future. And there again, it may be in the far future. I highly doubt it, but it very well may be the, in the far future. But reality of it is, is how close that we are to it this morning. And so we see the day in which we're living. But then we see the demand in verse number 12. He says, the night is far spent and the day is at hand. So we see that the time for sleep, Paul is saying the time for sleep is over. It's, it's time to wake out of sleep. 
The time for inactivity, if you will, is done with. It's, it's now time to be active. And, and let me ask you this question. Don't you think as a group of people that we have slept long enough? Don't you think as a group of people, as born-again believers, we've been inactive long enough? Don't you think it's time now to, 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 to stop being inactive and being active? If, if the Lord is coming soon, shouldn't we be out doing something to prepare for His coming? If, if we really believe that Jesus could come at any moment, shouldn't we take every moment to tell somebody about Christ? And so the question is, is haven't we been inactive long enough? Haven't we slept spiritually long enough? And so he makes this statement. He says, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. And so there's this casting off that is, that is to be taken place. And the idea is, is now that you have this person that has been asleep, they have been inactive and so this, the idea is for them to, to cast off what we would think, to cast off the bed sheets and get their clothes together and go out and begin to do something. And that, that word cast off, it means to throw away. It means to, in Bible sense, it means to repent of works of darkness. And so now verse number 13, he begins to tell us what we ought to do and what we ought not to do because of this day in which we're living. First of all, notice we see not only the day in verse number 11, but we see the demand in verse number 12. But then we see the duty in verse number 13 and verse number 14. Notice the first thing that he says in verse number 13. He says, and walk, let us walk honestly as in the day. Now, this walking honestly, it means to behave properly. It means to uh, live a life that is consistent with, uh, with who we are on the inside. Now, listen, if a person is born again, if they're saved, they ought, you ought to be able to look at their life and say that it is, is consistent with that of, a, that of a Christian. Now, I know a lot of people have a problem with this, uh, uh, but I, I believe I have enough Bible to back me up when I say this. Uh, 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 if a person, if, oh, let me say it like this, an, an analogy that we use. If it walks like a duck, sounds like a duck, and looks like a duck, friend, it's a duck. Now, now here's the reality of it is this morning. If it looks like a lost person, it sounds like a lost person, and it acts like a lost person, why in the world do we say it's a saved person? Yeah. Amen. Amen. I mean, we'll say, well, they, you know, they look, I know that they do this and they do that and they, they go here and they act this way. But you know what? When they was, when they was four years old, they walked the aisle and got saved. Listen, I, I, I don't want, I don't want to bust your theological bubble, but let's just be honest. If there's not a change in that person, chances are they didn't meet, the, meet Jesus. If they can live any way they want to and do anything they want to do and say anything they want to say and the God of heaven never chastise them, they are not His children. 
Now, and, I, and I know that there are people who say, well, you know, you can backslide, but you'll only go so far till He'll get your attention or He will take you out. And there's a lot of people that they have in their mindset uh, that, well, that they did this, they done that. Uh, and, and, and listen, there again, I, I don't want to miss, want you to, I don't want to make you mad this morning, but there's a lot of people that's trusted in a proverb uh, that's never going to come true. They're trusting in if you if if you train up a child in the way he should go, when he's old he shall not depart from it. A lot of people are trusting in that, and it's never going to come true because they were never really trained. Now listen, this is something I'm having to learn. There's a difference between telling and training. A lot of people training takes time; telling takes no effort. When, 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 I, when I used to ride horses and I used to break horses, uh, uh, training is something you have to do the same thing, the same way every time you do it. If you're, if you're training an animal and if you don't do the same thing, the same way, at the same time, every time you do it, you confuse them. And, and I'm convinced that a lot of times, especially, and I'm having, I'm having to learn this with raising children, there's sometimes I will be strict on something and then, there, and then I, I, I will train them and then there's some days I just don't feel like it. So you know what I do? I just tell them. And what happens? They think the next time they can get by with it because they wasn't trained in that moment. So I'm just telling you that there's a lot of people that have this hope that reality is false hope. Listen, friend, I'm not, I, and, and I'm not saying we ought not pray for those people, but let's just quit, let's just quit trying to put uh, makeup on a pig and start calling lost people lost people. Let's quit trying to, to appease our conscience and appease everybody else and said, if they don't live according to the Word of God and God never chastises them, they have a profession, but they have no possession. And so we find that this is, this is a problem in our day is that we're to walk honestly. We're to walk, walk in the way that is what's inside of us. And after telling us how to live, and then the Bible then begins to tell us on how not to live. He says, first of all, for the believer in this day and in this hour and this in these last days, for them to walk honestly. And by the way, let me just say this very quickly. Man, wouldn't it be good if Christian people walked honestly so lost people didn't have anything negatively to say about us? Yeah. You know why most people won't come most people won't become a Christian is because they already know one. And they don't see any difference between the professing Christian and them themselves. And so we find that that this is what what he says is for us to do is to walk honestly. Now, then he says, uh, now I want you to notice something very carefully, very quick. Now, this is not my ideology. I, I'm following phrase by phrase in the Word of God. Now, if what I just said made you mad, honey, buckle up because it ain't over yet, okay? Um, it's just going to go down. You should have enjoyed that because it's fixing to go downhill from here. 
Uh, but this is, there again, this is not me. This is what the Bible says. So it says, first of all, for us to walk honestly. Now notice what it says, as in the day. Have you ever noticed uh, that seemingly crime, daytime deters crime? Why is that? Because people can see in the day. They can see what's going on. They can see. But when nighttime comes and you can't see as much, that's usually when crime rises. Now, nowadays, people are so crazy, crime's going on during the day now, day two. But, but I'm just saying, so he's saying to walk honestly as in the day, as walk, and walk honestly, walk, behave the way you should as you would in the daytime where people notice what you're doing. And so then he goes on to say what not to do. He says, first of all, in that of rioting. Now, if you look up the word rioting, it means to, it means wild living. It is the same idea if you remember, if you go back in, in the Gospel of Luke and it deals with a prodigal son and the Bible says that he went out and he wasted his, his substance with riotous living. Which means wild living. It means partying. It means uh, uh, means do, uh, just I, I mean just going out and, and and clubbing and partying and and doing all the th- all those things. Uh, and so we see that of rioting. But notice then uh, it does not end there. He says that of rioting, which is li- which is wild living. Uh, but notice what is connected to that rioting. He says not in rioting. Uh, and drunkenness, which means this, that usually drunkenness is connected to rioting. Listen to me, listen to me well. You may, a person may be able to riot for a little while, but it will not be long if they hang around with that rioting crowd they will then become the drunken crowd. Because you cannot lay down with dogs and not get up with fleas. Show me who your friends are today and I will show you who you are or who you soon shall become. And so God says, listen, this rioting is in direct connection to drunkenness and drunkenness is in direct connection to rioting. So this drunkenness is habitual, intentional intoxication. And so rioting and drunkenness is connected. Anytime you have rioting, there's going to be drunkenness. Anytime you have drunkenness, there's going to be rioting. And so to stay away from rioting, what do you got to do? You got to stay away from drunkenness. To stay away from drunkenness, what you got to do? You got to stay away from rioting. The Christian has no business partaking in rioting and drunkenness. Now listen, I preached, I preached one time against drunkenness. And I had a, I had a man of the church, uh, Brother Tim, met me out on the foyer, and he said, "If you're going to preach a drink against drinking, don't unpack your bags." And I said, "Don't worry, they were packed when I got here, and they'll be packed when I leave here. But I'm going to preach against it to the day I leave." You can't find me one positive thing that comes from getting drunk. Honey, if you want to advertise drinking, 
the way it ought to be advertised. Let's advertise it with a grieving mother over the casket of a body of somebody she loved that was hit by a drunk driver. If you want to advertise drinking the way it ought to be advertised, let's bring a little mama in here and some babies that ain't got food in their stomach, ain't got shoes on their feet, and their clothes is ragged because the daddy is down there at the bar spending his paycheck on drinking instead of feeding them babies and putting shoes on their feet. If you want to advertise drinking, honey, I can advertise it. And we need to quit advertising it and making it look like fun. Fun and making it look advertising and advertise it for what it really is. And it's that of the hook of the devil. And the Bible says, he that is, is fooled by it, that person that partakes it, is a fool. And listen, I'm not saying, listen, if you're here, I don't know who drinks or not, but I just help, let me help myself this morning. The Bible says, if you partake of it, you're a fool. And God help us as Christians to quit saying it's okay to social drink. If you want a social drink, get you a Dr. Pepper. It, enough of them and you'll have the same feeling. God help us. I'm telling you, the Christian has no business down at the bar. Drunkenness and riotousness is always connected together. Not only does he say get away from rioting and drunkenness. Now I told you it's just going to go downhill from here. Hang on to your seats. We'll probably have all kinds of complaints on Facebook today. Notice rioting and drunkenness. But notice this word chambering. Now this word chambering is a very interesting word. I'll just be honest with you. I've preached it up probably five or six times. Never really took the time, uh, Brother uh, uh, Kent, to, uh, to look and see what chambering was. And um, I try. I, I sometimes, I, if I'm preaching, I like, like at least like to know a little bit what I'm talking about. And uh, so I looked it up, and that word chambering is a very interesting word. You know what? That word chambering it comes from the word chamber. Now, when you think of chamber, what do you think? A bedroom. So this word chambering, this is the definition of it, to go to bed with someone. It refers to sexual activity that is engaged in outside of the marriage relationship. And so Paul says to stay away from rioting. He says to stay away from drunkenness. And he says to stay away from chambering. Now listen to me. It's a sad day in our world, in our life, that you can't hand out Bibles in school, but you can hand out contraceptives. Now let me just go ahead. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just feeling my oats this morning. Now. So I'm just going to let you have the whole barrel. You ready? Amen. Girls, let me tell you something. If you're dating a young man and all he wants to do is put your hand, his hands on you, you need to put your foot in his hind end and kick him to the curb. <laughs> and let, now let me say this. It is still good for boys to like girls and girls to like boys. It's still good. That's still right in the sight of God. But it is not right when those boys and girls begin to do things that God said is only to be done between a man and a woman who has joined a marriage in a marriage 
covenant. Now let me say this, abortion would go downhill if, if, if people would quit playing adult games if they're not willing to pay adult prices. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, man. We wouldn't have an abortion in America if people would quit chambering with each other. If they'd, if they'd quit going, running around like a dog and laying with everything that they can find. I'm telling you, and listen, you said, preach, you ought not preach like that. Well, it's about time somebody does. It's about time somebody realizes what's going on. And listen, if you made a mistake and you did this and you made a mistake, I'm not bashing you. I'm not belittling you. I'm not making fun of you. But you ought to thank God that somebody's willing to try to stop other people from making the same mistake that you made. And listen to me, listen to me. Well, we ought to teach our we ought to teach our young boys how to treat a young girl, and that is not to, to try to make her do things that she ought not do till she's married. And listen, it's a it's sad reality of it. It's sad, it's girls nowadays. They, girls, you ought to cover up your body. You ought not look like a harlot walking down the street. If it's too tight, take it off. And daddies get some gall about you and say, you ain't wearing that. Amen. Amen. Boy, y'all got quiet on that. I mean, who'd ever drink? I mean, now listen, I've got two girls uh, and me and my wife has already discussed it. Uh, if you do this, this is your business. Uh, but there ain't gonna be no pageants in my house. Uh, there ain't no look. My little girl ain't gonna wear no little short tutu for some perverted man to look at her uh, and to put his eyes on her. No, sir. She's gonna wear clothes that cover her body. Uh, and buddy, uh, you better believe it. She may do it when I, I'm not around. Uh, but as long as I'm breathing uh, and as long as she's slides her feet up under my table, she will abide by my rules. And it's going to be cover yourself up. Now listen. What happens when a, when a young lady don't do that? Shut your eyes. It's not the first look that gets you in trouble. It's the second one. And boys, you ought to keep your hands to yourself. And girls, if you don't, you ought to knock the daylights out of it. And if you don't know where to hit him, come talk to me and I'll show you, I'll tell you where to hit him. I'm telling you, we ought to wake up about this stuff. We ought to sound the alarm. There's too many young girls that are ruining their life because somebody won't stand up and tell them the truth of the Word of God. And there's too many boys that's ruining their lives because somebody won't stand up and tell them how to act. Isn't it a sad day that, that mamas is having to be mamas and daddies? And we wonder why our boys is the way they are. Every now and then, y'all just kick them in the mud just for the beings of it. Make them boys. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Chambering. Well, I'll get off that. But it don't get no better. <laughs> Notice this next word. Wantonness. That's a very another interesting word too. Chambering refers to a chamber, which means to go into bed with someone, that wantedness, notice the first three, uh, first four letters, want, uh, 
Ones, which means un, uncontrollable. This is unbridled sexual desire and activity. Now listen, I, I understand that 50 years ago you didn't have to preach about this. But we're living in a new day. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can't even hardly have a parade now without people sprouting down Main Street and wanting everybody to know how proud they are of their sexual desires. Yeah. Wantedness. He says, don't do that. Don't put yourself in a place to where those desires consume you. Several years ago, I was in Atmore, Alabama, preaching Rock of Ages uh, prison ministry. And there was this particular man. We was visiting from, from um, sale to sale. There was a particular man. we come up. I may have told this story here. I don't know him. Uh, we come up to him, we was talking to him. He said, you know, I know the Lord. I've been born again. I've been saved. And um, he said, I'm getting ready to leave. He said, I'm, he said, I'm supposed to get out next month. And I said, Lord of God, you know, thank the Lord for that. And um, he had a picture on his, on his bunk. And there was a young man. He was in, he, he was in an army uniform. And man, his chest was just covered with all kinds of medals and all those little little square things and whatever they're called. And, and I said, is that your son? He said, no, sir. He dropped his head. He said, that's me. And um, I didn't know, you know, we didn't want to ask no more questions. He said, he said, you're wondering how I went from that, he pointed to the picture, to this, aren't you? I said, well, I can't ask you that. It's against the rules. I said, but if you want to share, I'll listen. He said, it all started. He said, the first time I got on a computer and looked at pornography. He said, preacher, he said, it went from where I was, I was only sleeping one to two hours a night because the rest of the time I was searching for that material. He said, but then that was not enough. He said, I started having, he started, instead of watching it and fulfilling my desires, he said, I then had to enact in it to fulfill my desires. And he said, and that's why I've been in here for 30 years. He said, it cost me everything. He said, when I get out, he said, I don't have a wife to go home to. He said, my children will not even speak to me. He said, I have been stripped of all my, my things from the military. He said, I will go, I will leave here and absolutely have nothing. And he said, it's all because one day, I clicked on something I had no business clicking on. And it took over my life. It would probably shock us this morning if we knew just how many people is hooked on pornography that attended church somewhere this morning. 
I'm just saying you better stay away from it. And that wantedness, you better get control of it because if you don't get control of it, it will control you. Everybody all right? Two in a row, huh? Last Sunday I had to wear a bulletproof vest. Next Sunday I might get behind a bulletproof glass. Chambering, wantedness, drunkenness, rioting. Notice this. Strife. This is somebody that's always looking for a fight. We used to say it in Mississippi, they got a chip on their shoulder. Always looking for somebody. Look, we, we say this in Smith County. I don't know if y'all can relate to this. Walking around like a banny rooster waiting for somebody to jump on. <laughs> Some of you older timers understand what that is. Always looking for a fight. God calls us to be peaceful people. Amen. Not robbers. Not in strife. Not in wantedness, not in chambering, not in drunkenness, not in rioting, and not in envying. A spirit of jealousy. So, so there's six things here that the Word of God says to stay away from, to put off these things. But it is always something in the Word of God that when God tells you to put off something, He always tells you to put on something. Here's where we, where, where we are in danger. Listen, if you empty something out of your life, if you don't fill it with something, what you emptied will come back twice as strong. If you get rid of some sin in your life and you do not fill it with something good, that sin will come back twice as strong as it was before. And so what the Lord is saying here is that you put off that stuff. You put off that rioting and that drunkenness and that chambering and that wantiness and that strife and that envy. And you put off all that stuff. But here's what you need to put on. And notice verse number 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. So if we're to put off some things, what we're to replace those things with is Christ. If we are battling with rioting, then we're to put off rioting and let Jesus replace the rioting. If it's drunkenness, we're to put off drunkenness and let Jesus replace the drunkenness. If it's chambering, we're to put off chambering and let Jesus replace the chambering. If it's wantedness, we're to put off that wantedness and let Jesus replace the wantedness. If it's strife, we're to put off strife and let Jesus replace the strife. If it's envy, we're to put off envy and let Jesus replace the envy. You understand? But so many times we put it off, but we don't let Christ replace what we put off. And so he says, put, up, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice this, and make no provision for the flesh. You know what provision is? Provision is that which is needed. It is what we would think about daily food. We would call daily food our provision. So when he says make no provision for the flesh, it means literally this, don't feed your flesh. 
And if you don't feed your flesh, here's what's going to happen. Notice the last part. To fulfill the lust thereof. If you'll starve the flesh, you'll have less problem with the lust of the flesh. It's like the old Indian chief said one time, said there's two dogs in me fighting, a white one and a black one. He said, who wins, the, who wins the most? He said, well, the white one is good and the black one is evil. He said, the one that wins the most is the one I feed the most that day. In right. his reality, we are in, a, we are in a battle between the spirit and the flesh and whichever one you feed the most, that is the one that will win the most. Yep. And so the sad reality of it is many of us spend more time making provisions for the flesh and thus resulting in the flesh winning more than us making provisions for the Spirit, and thus the Spirit would win more if we would make provisions for it. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 4 says this, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse number 57 says, But thanks be to God which giveth us victory, through our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning we have seen what we are to do is to walk honestly, but we've also seen what we're not to do. And because we're not to do that, we're then to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and allow Him to live through us so that people can see Him in us. Song their musicians come. There again, I, I I understand some of these things are uncomfortable dealing with, and there again, 30, 40, 50 years ago, you'd never have to deal with these things, but we're living in a day where most young people don't know what it is. And I I I, I, I don't, don't want you to misunderstand me when I say this. I don't want to toot my own horn. So I don't I, I, I don't want you misunderstand what I'm about to say, but most kids don't know what it is for a preacher to stand up and tell them you ought not have sex out of marriage. Most kids in the United States have no idea the Bible specifically teaches against that. Because preachers are so scared they're going to offend mama and daddy, they just let the devil have a heyday on their kids. Listen, if if I was out, if I was you, and you was up here preaching, and I had kids, boy, I'd be waving my hanky, say, "Glory to God, preach on, preacher, preach on." I don't want my kids' lives to be wrecked because of sexual immorality. I don't want my kids' lives to be wrecked by drunkenness. I don't want my. And by the way, that drunkenness could also include anything that influences them. It could include drugs. It's anything that overtakes the body and the mind. Whether it be illegal or legal. But I'm just saying it's time for us to wake out of sleep and realize, listen, these are the things that are killing our churches. Where are the people that's going to stand up against this stuff? Most of them are asleep. But the Bible says it's high time to wake up out of your sleep.
You know what? We ought to be warning people against these things. Because these things are what leads to destruction. I'll say this to young people and I'm done. I don't want you to ever think that I preach this way because I don't want you to have fun. I'm all for you having fun. Just make sure it's the right kind. I preach this way because I don't want to see you in the shape that I have sat and watched other people in the shape they're in. I don't want to see your life destroyed by sin the way I've seen other people's lives destroyed by sin. I guarantee you there's people your age whatever age you are their life has already ended because of sin but yet they're still living their life's over because of a mistake and they'll spend the rest of their life paying for it Listen, I'm not downgrading them. There's hope for them in Jesus. I'm just saying, I don't want that to be you. And if you have a child that has done that, I would hope that you'd say amen. I don't want that to be them either, preacher. Or if you've had to live that life, I would hope you'd say amen. I don't want them to have to live the life that I've lived, preacher. Because you mark it down, sin is a destroyer and it is unprejudiced. It destroys and it's proud to do it. So this morning as we have dealt with these things, I hope you understand it's not because that I don't want you to have fun. I want you to have the right kind of fun. It's because I want you to be able to stand up. I don't want you to be able to stand up before God. So my preacher didn't say, tell me that. Or I don't want you to get 18, 19 years old and realize you've messed up. And say, I never knew. For us that are parents, man, we ought to, we ought to, and grandparents and aunts and uncles, man, we ought to hit our knees every night begging God to keep our kids safe because there's so much that has their attention. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the Word of God. I pray you'd help us in this invitation. Dear friend, the most important question that you can answer today is this. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? I hope that the answer to that is yes. But if you don't know, would you reach out to me? I would love to talk with you and pray with you and show you in the scripture how you can know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. My email is preachercharliemc at yahoo.com. Please reach out to me if there's any way that I can help you. Remember, Jesus loves you.